0: Welcome to the Digital Workplace Podcast. These are conversations with CEOs of digital companies, thought leaders, and solution providers about how you can become a level five digital workplace. For the show notes and transcript of this episode, go to thedigitalworkplace.com. Well, welcome back to the Digital Workplace Podcast. Today, we have a special guest. We have Eric Nikolai. He is the founder and CEO of Workspace 365. Hi, Eric, how are you? I'm good, Neil. How are you today? I'm very good. Excited to speak with you. You are somebody who's been in this world of thinking about digital work for a long time. um, So that's going to be great. I'm excited for this discussion. But let's start off with your capture question to prove your humanity. Eric, I want to know what pet did you have or did you want to have when you were a kid? Uh, Polar bear. (laughs) Polar bear. So you got to explain that a little bit more. Where did that start? I just I like the color of them. Like I I was like a born like a, as a very
1: blonde guy, and uh, <laughs> I'm always been associated with blonde animals. Like uh, just no, it's, it's touchy. I don't know why. Were there any other ones like a polar bear, or was that just like the
0: pinnacle of? Uh,
1: you have like the, the albino. Uh, like many many animals have an albino version, and I'm always right, fascinated right. by this as well. I just I didn't want to say an albino dog or an
0: albino <laughs> whatever, so that's why I said polar bear. <laughs> <laughs> wonderful it would be pretty awesome to have a polar bear as a pet so i think it's dangerous though. i'm going to qualify that as a certified human because that is a very human answer to want a polar bear as a pet as a kid well, cool. well eric thanks for being on the show uh, tell us a little bit about your product about workspace 365.
1: yeah so workspace 65 is a digital workspace where we allow organizations to unite all their applications and information to a centralized workspace and basically, we just try to conquer complexity, which is uh, obvious uh, in, in the IT landscape where employees are faces, as confronted with many different ways to access application information uh, throughout the day.
0: So It's obviously a big topic that's been there, but your company's been around for more than 10 years, right?
1: Yeah, so we started uh, our journey in 2010. Uh, mm-hmm. we, were the, we were a bit uh, early to the party, to be very honest. Uh, yeah. It's almost like uh, we started with a vision uh, and throughout the course, we had many people say, okay, this is not, very, uh, this is not an opportunity yet. Uh, and to be very honest, it wasn't. Uh, so we had a vision that every application was moving to the browser while most applications still running in a data center or being locally installed, Or, or and SaaS was just not very strongly represented in the workforce. Um, yeah. And as SaaS was growing, the opportunity for us was getting bigger and bigger as the kind of legacy application side of the organization was becoming the minority rather than majority as it was in 2010.
0: So do you feel like, I mean, it seems like things are much more complicated when it comes to seeing all the technology you have. Software is supposed to make things, you know, hopefully simpler and see things. But it seems like as we add in more and more SaaS applications, it just gets more complex, right?
1: So when we look in the future, things are always looking to be more easy. Uh, let's say simplified, uh, if you think about the future rather than the past. Because in the past, everything seems complex uh, and the current uh, uh, the same. Uh, while uh, when we look to changes, thinking about SaaS, thinking about uh, Google, uh, thinking about Microsoft and all the changes they're making, it, it appears to be simpler. But I think at the end of the day, we have we remain to have a legacy coming from all the systems combined with the new IT world, which
0: is coming from, let's say, SaaS software as a service, uh, and you have to combine them in a certain way. So trying to reach that combination. And you also have, in larger organizations, you have many different teams using different applications. It's not going to be the same throughout. And it just seems, I don't know, looking forward in the future, do you see a day when there is some kind of consolidation around these work tools that we use or will it continue to be pretty fragmented for the next 5, 10 years?
1: To be very honest, I think we we started with the idea that we always try to standardize the tooling we use internally. But if I if I look through the teams uh, in the amount of project management tools we use, every team makes their own decisions. So uh, you can try to force it, and then there comes a point, and you have to centralize it again because more and more teams are working together. It's almost like a, I think it's like a, um how do you call this it? like a curve? Like you go centralized, decentralized, centralized, decentralized. Yep. And I think that's the same for every trend. It's, it's like going from uh, every company, every phase has to go to the same phases of, of centralization and, and teams make their own decisions.
0: Yeah. So talk about even that within your own company. You have about 50 employees that you have. Have you also found that same oscillation back between trying to standardize everything versus, hey, let everyone make their own decisions? Yep,
1: we are just a normal company. No, I think we have gone through <laughs> the same phases. And, uh, and you can you can fight it. Uh, you can just let it happen and try to correct it if it happens. And sometimes when you think the impact is, I is, say, too big, I'm trying to avoid that we make the mistake. But at the end of the day, every team needs to go through their own learning curve uh, because going through your own learning curves, that's where you learn the most. Uh, yeah. and, and having me as a CEO trying to avoid people make mistakes, that's
0: just a foolish thing to do. Yeah, well, let's get into that a little bit later, this idea of letting people make their own mistakes. But let's come back to the idea of what your product is and specifically trying to bring a central place for all these tools and, and all the information that's there. It's like we're we're trying to create a a headquarters, so to speak, uh, of the organization. So I want you to just reflect on how the notion of, of headquarters has shifted over the years in, in your own company and some of your clients. And specifically, if you've seen people move from a physical location as a headquarters to a digital location.
1: Yeah, so so let's uh, answer it in, in, in twofold. Um, so I think when we had uh, the, the lockdown in COVID, I mm-hmm. heard many people complaining about the gym was being closed. And mm-hmm. I heard no one complaining about uh, the office being closed because they could work from home. But if, right. I could, if I kind of take a trend, uh, on average, and of course I don't want to isolate people who can do it well, on average, most of the people don't do well in their home gym, right? So we can build one, we tend to use it um, occasionally, not very very permanently and and, and we we, we tend not to push ourselves as as much as we do in a gym. Let's say uh, if we are in a group or uh, we train in a group with a trainer. So what I learned of this exercise of of the gym is that people go further and go better if they work in a group or the exercise in a group if you still compare it to to the gym. Um, So I think having a remote workforce uh, can be very good on the productivity side at the end of the day, if you work together on a physical location, you tend to push each other, let's say, to the next levels. As you work together, uh, it's very different if you see each other, let's say, face-to-face rather than just via webcam. Because I think the same thing applies if you compare the home gym uh, to the actual gym where you meet other people. Hmm.
0: So do you see the primary function of the office to be that, that collaboration space to be able to spur each other on?
1: Yeah, Definitely. I think for me, the reason why I'm going to the office is just for the energy. It's the same reason why I go to the gym. Like I can do a half an hour exercise here at home, but then I'm done. In in, in the gym, I can do an hour and a half. And the same in the office. Like in the in the office, I can go for, let's say, eight to 10 hours without without getting tired. But if I'm at home, if I've done six hours, I think I'm done for the day. Yep. And I might be more productive, but it just takes away the fun. And that's kind of the collaboration side of just uh, what work should be, right? Work should be fun. Like... We just, it's just a waste of time We you do something you don't like. And uh, I just want to get energy from the other people
0: around me. So how have you uh, managed that? Are you all uh, back full-time, everyone's in office all day? Or do you give some flexibility in that?
1: Yeah, in the first lockdown, uh, we, we went uh, to full lockdown. And the second lockdown, we tried to be more sensitive as we have a lot of young people. And, and younger people tend to be very sensitive towards isolation if they just live by themselves. Right. Um, so in the second lockdown, uh, we tried to be smart, like how, uh, what type of people can be in the office, uh, in what amount, how can we get uh, the distance uh, in, in place. Uh, so now we, we try to take two days per team uh, in the office. So you can have at least two days per in, in the office if you want to. It's not an obligation, uh, but it's just something that's uh, available. And we see that many teams uh, uh, try to, to kind of use this uh, two-day rule Uh, And kind of this is, I think, the perfect combination where you can spend two days or three days in the office and and be very uh, productive at home for the other tasks. But the energy uh, and the teamwork is done in the office. For us, at least. Uh, I'm not trying to generalize. If people say we we can do it quite well remotely, uh, fantastic. I just see the energy in us in creating, um, and especially when you create something. And every day we have to solve different challenges, in our go-to-market, in our expansion, in in trying to find the right talents. And, and even having a team, team school or via Zoom, it just there's a different energy to just being in the room and trying to solve a problem together. Have you found that you've had moments of energy in digital spaces as well? Uh, we try to. Um, so, and even, so to be very honest, in many customers meeting, customer meetings prior to COVID, we we're always face to face. Yeah. And our partner approach, so we work with MSPs around the globe who resell our product to their customers. That was already, let's say, via Teams and via Zoom. So that was already in place and, and did, that didn't change much since COVID. But I think COVID learned also that customers always had to, also had to be open to uh, online meetings. And I think the first, informal the, the conversation was going well. But second, getting the decision uh, without having seen each other face-to-face is, 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 is trusting someone you haven't seen actually yet. Uh, and and to me, uh, I, I still think that having just someone
0: look someone in the eye is making a difference rather than doing anything online. So would you say that for you to define what your headquarters is, you would also equate that with the like central source of energy for your company? Yeah, definitely. So then how, what, what would you use to describe like, your digital tool set, whether that be on a platform like Workspace 365 or a different one? Like, is that just kind of the tool set you go to when it's time to do some focused work or how would you describe that?
1: Yeah, so I think uh, if you compare any vertical, right? So if you either run a restaurant or a gym, any vertical, uh, any operation you're in, you just have a location where the work is done. And and luckily enough, we are in a space where we can do many things remotely and virtually. Uh, And then if I look at the things I use, let's say virtually on on my laptop or on my phone, it's just access to information applications. And from a product perspective, as a company, we try to standardize and simplify this as much as we can. And I think the perfect example is that for some of our customers and some verticals, we even try to simplify interfaces where uh, we just try to kind of get rid of existing legacy application with very kind of complex interfaces. And we just try to simplify that. We just help people to go to get to the complexity. Uh, But from a physical perspective in, in getting things done, um, there is just a way for us working together, and that's, that's regardless of any tools, right? So you can use a project, ma- project management tool and just kind of tracking your projects. But at the end of the day, a project
0: remains uh, remains to be done. When it comes to how people switch between kind of the solo work where it's like, okay, I got to be heads down today. I know what I need to do. I got my own focus thing. versus collaborative work where I need to be interacting with a lot of different people to decide what's going to come next, what the next big thing we're going to do. What do you feel like is a good blend for that? Do you feel like these hybrid models, where where people can like come together for more collaborative work and work at home for solo work, do you think that's a good model, or are there other ones you're exploring?
1: If I take myself as an example, it does. Uh, but I think if I if I take myself as a benchmark uh, for, for for my colleagues, uh, it does as well. So I think throughout the company, uh, we see many people they 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 kind of live from the energy from their colleagues, and we have some functions uh, are more isolated where people can still be productive, let's say five days a week. Uh, I think even in that case, um, it's worthwhile to get the energy because uh, if, if you work completely remotely, uh, work very easily just becomes something you just do, right? So you don't enjoy, just I, I do my job. Uh, if that's the way you want to live your life, that's fine, right? So no, 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 I, I'm not going to blame anyone for just doing their job. But personally for myself and all my colleagues, I, I, I like them to love the job and to love the, what they do. And to get the energy for it and to be rewarded. And, and for me, that, that's only happening if you see each other sometimes as you, you just just um, tap someone on the shoulder and say, well done. It just feels different.
0: And just send them a message. They say, well done. It feels different. Yeah, we, we often talk about the fidelity of conversation. So if we're, we're just texting, we're just being able to see those words go back and forth. If you add a voice call, now we get some tonality in, in what we're talking about, and we add a video call. Now we can see a little bit more of the body language and how that interrupts and codes the message that we're trying to send. But there is a, a level of that face-to-face interaction when you're actually physically in the same spot. That it's, I think, the word you said is energy. That definitely, it's very, very difficult to replicate that in digital means.
1: Yeah. I'll ask anyone with a long-distance relationship, who, as I said, that their spouse was being was traveling or just away for for their job it's okay for a week or for two weeks and then it just uh, starts to kind of uh, yeah somewhere just getting difficult because you don't feel the energy from each other
0: and how much work you have to put in to create any energy that is there whereas if you just throw people into a room together some of the energy just naturally creates physically or chemically or however it happens
1: yeah and just a smile can be enough sometimes right so you just walk to the corridor get a coffee and just smell you say good morning which is just uh, sometimes enough uh, to fuel uh, uh, the energy for the day Good point.
0: Let's talk about what people are looking for out of a product like, like what you have, especially compared to the early days when you're out there versus what they're looking for now. What is the central problem that you're trying to solve for people and how has that evolved over the last 10, 15 years?
1: Yeah, good question. So I think from our perspective, um, our starting point for many customers still today is kind of centralizing all the applications because in any organization you have, let's say, virtualized apps, uh, that's either using RDP, Citrix or any technology. And uh, so we centralize the application side of the business. Uh, but ultimately, uh, we see the next step is not about that, so centralizing the application access. It's about how much information can we simplify for people to know what they have to do on that specific day. Um, so uh, the amount of training required for people to kind of become productive on their job is immense because let's say many companies use let's say 10, 15 different tools uh, just to perform your job. And if you focus on your primary task, that's fine, right? But so everything secondary, like expenses or day of request or holiday request or anything else, which is just something you have to do occasionally, has to be as simple as possible. You can just focus on what you do best. Um, so we try to simplify this uh, with just being having a standardised interface for all those different sub-processes um, and allowing companies to just focus on what they're really good at. Uh, and that, that shift has been something we've seen through the years as this something, the whole idea around the workspace was uh, 11 years ago was simplify business processes, and we just found the companies were not ready to do it. Uh, so that's why we took a huge pivot in first kind of creating this awesome application portal, where we can aggregate all the applications being available in the organization before we start implementing step by step simplifications. Uh, for the or for, for for the employees in the organization and that's why we choose the, the kind of the, the mission conquer complexity because every day if you take a small step in in, in solving the complexity challenge uh, we see we just conquer complexity step by step a bit more
0: yeah so what i hear from you is that when a company is able to reduce the complexity that an employee experiences when their work is more simple or at least their the information in front of them is more simple that enables a deeper level of productivity would, would you say that you agree with that
1: yeah, and it also makes it easier to onboard new colleagues, right? So yeah. uh, I think many CEOs will agree that, and if you ask them how long does it take for an employee to be productive uh, and up and running in, in your company, most people would say three to six months. If you, if you compare it to a hairdresser, they will say one or two days. <laughs> um, so, and I don't want to compare our company to a hairdresser salon, which is a beautiful occupation, and uh, you can tell I need to go again. Uh, <laughs> but I think at the end of the day, sometimes we envy those type of, let's say, those occupations where it is much simpler to onboard new colleagues. Yeah. So what could we do to really simplify the onboarding for new colleagues? And of course, what happens naturally, that becomes simpler for everyone. Uh, but at the end of the day, the complexity level in many organizations true to the different tool sets, different work processes, and the fragmented information going everywhere is something, if we if we can solve that challenge, companies should just run far more productive and
0: efficient uh, as a whole. I like that a lot because, and even that analogy is great, a hairdresser has a lot of clarity in what their job is. It's very clear what they need to do. And they know, you know, if you have, you know, some eight hours in a day, you should probably be spending seven and a half of those hours, like, cutting hair. Like that's the key factor. <laughs>
1: oh, I'm pinching it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Most people that we hire in, in organizations, if you actually look at how much time they spend on their core function, aside from answering emails, aside from making the day off requests, aside from filling out expense reports, like it's probably a very disheartening percentage of their time that's actually spent on the core process.
1: Yeah, and, and I'm going to, tell you, to be honest with you, Neil. So, I've, I've stopped doing emails uh, on the day, let's say, for the whole day for many years. Yeah. I just do half an hour in the morning, half an hour in the evening, and that's it. So, I, I just keep my focus hours. I'm trying to advocate this internally, and it's just uh, it's hard to kind of get everyone on the same page. But it's just a lot of the disruption, and that's, a, that's a information that tries to get your mind of what you actually want to do. So, getting focus hours in the organization is something I'm trying to do for a very long time. And that's regardless if you work in the office or you work remotely, because just focus on your day and, and do what you're planned
0: for yourself rather than what other people planned for you. Yeah, well, let's walk into that, because I think it's a topic a lot of our listeners are excited about. They find some technique or some strategy, such as like limiting when you check your email just like once or twice a day, but cascading that throughout the whole organization. You don't want to be the kind of person that says mandate says hey it works for me therefore it's going to work for you and therefore we're going to legislate it and make sure it happens but at the same time you might find things that are very successful for you and you want to pass them on so how have you found that to work within your organization Uh,
1: so several of my colleagues uh, internally they can have an auto response on their teams for example and say i don't respond to teams uh, between uh, 10 and 4. yeah Uh, that's something i find fantastic because you just create your own focus and people don't expect an answer uh, where actually time is the biggest problem solver of all times because if you just wait uh, many problems will just go away eventually. Uh, <laughs> sure. so it's a bit lazy but many people can many people can solve their own problems if they just if they can't get any help. Uh, so it's actually very helpful for the individual just to focus on your own problems and and, and solve your own uh, and find your own solutions. Um, so it's something we support uh, we don't obligate to do. Uh, it's something let's say in, in some roles it goes better. And in in one of our previous companies we had focus hours for development where there was a let's say a big sign on the wall, do not enter between ten and four. Um, and development was just being let's say isolated from the rest of the company because so many people were just walking in asking questions. Mm-hmm. And it was just a, a, a disturbing that's a disturbing factor every day.
0: Yeah. No, no. And and that's, it's great to think about the fact of like letting the problem just sit for a while, because I think we feel like we're in this high paced world where if I have a problem, I'm going to solve it immediately, which means I send you a quick message. You're not in focus time. You're also kind of available. Notifications are coming in. So you're distracted from what you were doing. And I say, Hey, can we meet? Because in the office, I was like, the solution for everything was let's get together and talk and and have a meeting about this. And so going through everything when, like you said, it it may just been letting that problem sit for three or four hours, and then coming back to it later, maybe have a lot more clarity around it. So, But
1: I think it also, it's also down to the rhythm you create as a company. So if you have a rhythm, um, so we, we work based on scale-up methodology. Mm-hmm. Uh, that means you have a weekly, a monthly, and a quarterly rhythm in your organization. Uh, and that means that per week you set your own goals, uh, per week you have your team goals, per month you have your team goals. And I think this really helps kind of to get the rhythm right where not every question needs to be answered immediately. It's a bit... Uh, and and just, I think a, creating a rhythm with daily huddles, weeklies is really helpful to also have people their focus time because there's always a way to address the question let's say on, the late, on the later moment of the day.
0: I like that idea of rhythms a lot. But like you said, both in a daily rhythm, weekly rhythm, monthly or quarterly, and even like a seasonally a uh, rhythm to say, I know a lot of companies right now are saying, okay, it's summer, it's been a rough like last year and a half for a lot of people. So expecting this summer, maybe our productivity is gonna be down or giving people a little bit extra time off or some people have a rhythm to say at the end of the year, hey, we're all taking off uh, doing things like that. Do you have any like yearly rhythms you implement in your organization?
1: Um, so we do we do try to rhythm in our party so we had a um, so we tried to have a rhythm let's say a pre-summer barbecue and an yes. after summer bo- a boat trip and let's say a new year uh, dinner with partners so that's a that certain rhythm we have just to have some fun activities Yeah. Uh, and, and for the rest uh, Europe is known for the summer holidays I know in <laughs> the US it's a bit different uh, so with many people they take, kind of take two or three weeks in the summer time uh, which is always of course like a more quiet uh, time of the year Yeah. so I do uh, kind of um, try to support people to take, take on the holidays. Even if you don't have kids, it's a more quiet time. And if you're fueled by other people's response, like sales or marketing, you can't do much if other people don't respond to your messages or, or to your phone calls. So it's
0: really helpful to go on holiday when your customers go on holiday as well. That's true. It's good. Well, Eric, let's call off this discussion, talking a little bit about leadership and decision-making and how we can push that forward. We talked about this a little bit before the call. So, give me some of your reflections on where progressive companies should be moving towards when it comes to just the concept of leadership and making decisions.
1: Yeah, so um, I'm I'm quite simple in this. If you if you hire smart people, um, and um, you also should make let, let them make their own decisions. Um, so I think there are many uh, verticals where you have workers that they are they work best if they are well informed and well instructed. So what has to be done that specific day, uh, you need to control every every step they do either because it's obligated. Let's say if you work at Boeing, you need to check every every step an engineer makes because that just done, let's say a, a two-way reflection every decision. Uh, I think if you are a software company like us, you have smart people doing the job. I think a lot of freedom will actually help them to be a better person of, uh, for themselves. It will just create an awesome time in a company and, and just try to be there if they have questions. And I think uh, not trying to control the workday of an employee, say, this needs to be done now, this needs to be done this. It, it doesn't work that way. And I try to compare it with a group of friends. If you just go out and organize a weekend away, uh, everyone is quite capable of every organizing everything for themselves and just with a group of friends. And this person arranged the car and the traffic and the other one does the groceries, it all happens naturally. So if you let a group run their own activities, everything goes quite well. And if you just have an overarching theme or, let's say, goal as a company, everything just becomes very successful if people run in their own pace uh, with their own goals. uh, And and that's just super, super, super to see internally that this is actually happening
0: yeah, so it seems like I mean, it comes down to the idea of you know treating people as adults in terms of or instead of treating them as children. But I think when I talk to other CEOs, a lot of people want to have this mindset and want to have that, but then they say, if I turn it over, then uh, then they they do make mistakes or they they don't follow up with things or they act like children in these situations. So how can you kind of bridge that gap between understanding that there will be mistakes, there is this learning period and being able to actually let go of some of that authority and some of that decision making?
1: I think the analogy about children is actually beautiful. Because one thing, I have three young kids myself, and one thing young kids, say, they, they try to do every day, they try to do something new. Yeah. And and to, to grow up, um, many of us, including myself, we stopped trying to do new things. Uh, so one thing I, I use in many presentations internally with customers and partners, uh, try to get a child out of yourself in, in regards to how to do new things every single day. And don't be afraid to just not can't do anything or not, not knowing how to, we just keep doing it. And And then the comparison to children is about it's not about teaching them, it's about helping them. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you just, if you have a question, help them. Like my children ask questions every single day. and there's just some, sometimes a the day you just get the energy. sometimes you you, you feel depleted yourself after a long day and you have less energy to respond. I think that's the same for a company, right So if you work if you have coworkers, the questions they have are just uh, questions to help them in the right direction. and
0: as, regardless of your function, like questions can be addressed to anyone. I, when I look towards the future, thinking about children, like there's no way that I can give... Uh, you know, I have two kids. There's no way I can give them all the answers they're going to need to be successful in the next 20, 30, 40 years. Like, the world's just going to change too much. Things are going to be different. So there's no way I can iron out every detail for them. And I feel the same way when I look at like people that are working with us on, on our teams. As leaders, we cannot have the audacity to assume that the way we see the world is the way it's always going to be. And we always have the answer for those things. And recognizing that you're going to have to turn those decisions over to, to other people and, and recognizing those. So that gives me comfort to know. And to be very honest, and
1: I don't really enjoy not knowing everything, right? So I enjoy <laughs> yeah. just learning every day a little bit. And as a new things. And it's either in regards to sports, in regards to business. Like every day the world is changing. Uh, some things on, the, on the, a big scale, some things on a small scale. And just, that's something I really enjoy for myself.
0: Eric, this has been a fascinating conversation just to think about where the world is going, where we're all moving towards, uh, the idea of bringing in technology, bringing in a place to be able to talk about those things and, and bring them in. I've enjoyed this a lot. Let people know where they can go to be in touch with you and uh, learn more about your product. Yeah, so thanks, Neil.
1: I really appreciate the conversation as well. And of course, like I, I try to respond to your questions and I think along the way. So uh, I think the whole conversation started with you saying, hey, Eric, uh, tell me a bit more about Version 25 5 uh, if you're interested about learning about our platform, uh, workspace uh a lot of sources in regards to how we help different companies, different sizes in the way to conquer complexity. At the end of the day, we just want to run, uh, let's say, a successful uh, and a fun company where people enjoy to work. And if they retire, they look back at the time, uh, at least in our company. Um, and I would I be very proud if people think, hey, those years were the best years of my working career. Mm. And that's something I take a lot of I put a lot of effort in just to create this experience. because all the, all the people who work in our company, uh, I just want to treat them the way they want to be treated, uh, sure. and, and allow them to be successful.
0: And um, yeah, that's great and a great, inspiring uh, note to end on. Eric, thanks for being on the show. We look forward to staying in touch with you and learning more about your journey as you go forward. Thanks, thanks, you Have a great day. This has been the Digital Workplace Podcast. If you liked it, please take a minute to leave a review wherever you find. Go to thedigitalworkplace.com dot com and sign up for our twice a month newsletter keeps you up to date on the best ways to build a level five digital workplace. Music for the show is provided by City of Sound. I'm your host, Neil Miller. Keep moving forward.